thank you. Appreciate that. I was like, man, we're about to lose it? Don't lose it. Oh, thank you, guys. Good morning. How are you guys? This side showed up. Y'all are doing all right over there. Middle struggling today. Now we, now we know who was able to afford to go out, go out of town on fall break. Man, it's, uh, it's good to be with you guys and uh, get to worship with you. A couple of things, something I want to make mention of, uh, Serve Sunday is coming up in just a few weeks. If you don't know what Serve Sunday is, if you're new here, maybe you're one of those West Coast people that just showed up in the last few weeks, okay? Uh, or maybe, you know, you forgot from the last one, I don't know. Uh, but uh, no, um, we, uh, we, do, we do a thing a couple times a year called Serve Sunday where uh, we will come together and we will have a very short uh, time of worship together and then we will disperse and go out into teams and serve our community uh, in all kinds of ways. We'll be serving in schools, uh, serving uh, people in their homes, uh, in, in all types of capacities, talking about, you know, uh, construction work, painting, cleaning up yards, uh, you know, help, just helping, helping people do all kinds of things. Uh, I'm throwing this out there to say that's coming up October the 22nd. Uh, you can go online. We're encouraging people to go ahead and sign up. You can do that um, on through the app. You can do that through the website. Uh, just go to the bottom, click Serve Sunday, go through the stuff, uh, and get signed up uh, ahead of time. You do not want to wait if you can help it uh, till that day or something like that. You want to go ahead and get signed up if you can. Plus, it also helps us to make sure that we've got enough help for projects before that day instead of that day making sure, you know, oh, gosh, we don't have enough people for this project. Uh, but there's all sorts of stuff. There's stuff for ladies. There's stuff uh, that kids can be involved with, nursing home stuff. I mean, you, it's, it's all over the map. Uh, but I also bring that up just to say, I ask, uh, Suzanne Crow is helping uh, lead out uh, in uh, our Serve Sunday uh, um, stuff. Uh, for the moment, and um, she's doing a great job. Uh, but I asked her this week, I said, you know, do you want me to, to throw it out there in case anybody knows uh, of anything that uh, we haven't picked up on yet? Uh, and she said, absolutely. And so uh, if you happen to know someone in need, uh, some sort of a need that, you know, we could take a team of people there on a Sunday morning and help them for a couple few hours, uh, or maybe you yourself, maybe you don't want to, you know, throw your hand up and say, I need help. But Maybe you know in your heart you really need to say, I need help. Uh, you know, either way, we would love uh, to make sure that, that this is about ministering to our community. This is about uh, us serving our community and our community knowing that we love them because Jesus has loved us. Uh, and so anyway, that's coming up October 22nd. Uh, you know, if, you, if you've got a need, you know somebody with a need or something along those lines, please uh, reach out. You can catch them at the front desk today and talk to them about that. Uh, in fact, you can run on out right now if you want to uh, and do that. But no, seriously, we'd love, we'd love for you to, to be able to let us know. All right, well, let's, uh, let's jump into uh, this uh, series that we are in uh, right now on Romans chapter 8 called Not Condemned. Uh, that's uh, what we've got going on today. If you've got a Bible, go ahead and go out, get it out to Romans 8. If you don't have a Bible, our ushers will bring you a Bible uh, and if you don't own one, you are more than welcome to keep that one. We'd love for you to take it and consider it a gift. Uh, but Romans chapter 8, we've already been uh, in this for a couple of weeks, uh, and we're kind of rolling through the verses here, and today we're uh, picking up Romans 8, 9 through 11. 
Um, and so, um, you know, one of the things about uh, this passage as a whole, uh, it's so rich. Um, I, I cannot tell you how much time I'm spending just trying to uh, figure out exactly what the Lord is saying in one verse sometimes when I'm, I'm teaching through something like this, uh, but especially these verses. Um, and even today, you know, I've, I've just on the way here, just, just spent a lot of time praying, God, you know what you want them to hear. And I, and I prayed, God, would you help me to say what you want them to hear, not what I want people to hear. And so, uh, you're ever praying for me, you can pray that prayer. I'd appreciate it. But, um, this, uh, this passage that we're in today, Romans eight, nine through 11, it, uh, it speaks of belonging. You know, belonging is one of those things that, you know, we, we all want to belong. Everybody wants to belong. You know, you can hear, you'll hear people say stuff like, well, I don't need anybody and I don't, you know, I don't care if I'm, you know, a part of a family or I'm part of a team, whatever. Um, that's, those statements are usually made out of hurt, you know, just to be honest and, and, uh, you know, just defense, defensiveness of not wanting to let people in because they've been hurt in the past. The truth is, is I think that we all know that we all want to belong. Um, and specifically, as we're talking through this today, I think, I think a big piece of that is uh, that we belong, first of all, to Jesus uh, if we know Christ as our Savior, but secondly, because of that, that we belong to the family of God, that we belong to this amazing family of people. Um, and, and I do. I think, it's, I think it's amazing that God brings all these people together from all these different walks of life. I, that's one of the things that I love about the church. Um, and one of the things that I love about, uh, you know, what God does within the church and with all these different types of people, with all these different types of talents, uh, and all these different types, uh, of, uh, convictions, uh, and, uh, even, uh, like vision of ministries and, you know, all these different things. We have all these different folks doing all these different things, uh, for the kingdom of God, uh, and how God has used and is using all these different people to do all these things together as one unit. And it serves Sunday as a great example of that, I think. Uh, but, um, you know, with, with the passage that we're studying today, uh, there's a whole lot of the use of the word in. And, and I, want to, I want you to pay particular attention to that. I want to read through the three verses, and then we're going to break them down and kind of talk about them one by one. Uh, but I want you to notice how many times the word in is used, okay? Let's read this together. Romans 8, verse 9, it says this. It says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Um, let's pray over that. Can we do that? Let's pray. God, I just ask that you would just speak through your word this morning. God, help us as your church to hear it to take it to heart. God, I pray that you would change us, even if it's just a little bit today through it, to help us understand just a little more 
of who you are and how you're working in us and through us. God, just use us for your glory. God, we pray all this in your son's name. Amen. Um, First Don right there is picking up, you know, where we left off last week. Now, if you remember, if you were here for last week, last week was spent a whole lot of time talking about this in the spirit and in the flesh. And it was this flesh versus spirit thing. And really what Paul's doing in that, in that passage and really in this passage as a whole is he's differentiating people who are believers and people who are not believers. Okay. And so he is, as he is talking about the, in the flesh, and that's almost like a people group. Okay. And he's talking about in the spirit. And that's almost like a people group, if you will, uh, in the, in these passages right here, he is, he is differentiating those who are believers and those who are not believers. And of course he's saying those that are not believers are, you know, in death, those that are believers are in the spirit. Well, he, he further goes and understand, helping us to understand this as a whole, um, you know, in this passage here, verse nine, starting us, he says, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. So, so right here in this first verse, we have the use of the word in four times, right? So you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. So first of all, he says you right there at the beginning. You. Who's he speaking to right there? He's saying you, however, are not in the flesh. So who's he speaking to? He's speaking to the believer. He's speaking to those who know Christ. And he's saying you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. He's switching gears from that last section that we studied on last week where that was primarily speaking to uh, those who did not know Christ, those who were in the flesh. And so here he's saying, uh, you know, of course, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. And so, uh, you know, if, if we go back and, and we're reminded about, you know, that whole, whole bit about, you know, the in the flesh thing, the in the flesh thing, for those that are not believers, you know, remember that that death meant that he talked about uh, in the passage earlier uh, last week, he said, uh, was, you know, these different things that if you, you know, grabbed them all together from the scripture right there, uh, one was that you're hostile toward God. It's talking about if you're in the flesh, not a believer, okay? You're hostile toward God. You're insubordinate to God. You couldn't, you cannot please God, and you're separated from God. Um, four things that I don't think anybody wants uh, unless you're legitimately just running from the Lord and you think that's a good idea, okay? And I'm just, I'm going to tell you it's not, okay? Now, you may not believe me. Maybe you're in a bad place right now in life. Maybe you, you, know, maybe you think you know better than everybody else. You know better than the Lord. I'm here to tell you, uh, trust the Lord, okay? Trust the Lord. Let him, let him speak to you. Let, let him do something in your life to change you and bring you out of the flesh that you might be a part of what we're seeing here, this in the spirit category, okay? Uh, but the fact that the spirit dwells, the spirit of God dwells in us, 
is what makes this possible. Look at that in verse 9 again. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. So this is this, you know, reminder that we have the Spirit living in us, right? We've talked a little bit about this, this understanding of, of what this looks like. In fact, if we go back and we are reminded of what Christ did when he was going to go back to be with the Father, what we know is the ascension, right? Back in the book of Acts, Acts 1 verse 6, we have that little nugget of joy of Christ doing this, and he leaves us a gift, right? Acts, uh, Acts 1 verse 6, and it says this, it says, so that when they had come together, they asked him, this is right as Jesus is about to go back to be with the Father, he says, and after, after the resurrection, okay, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive when the power of when uh, sorry, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And so we have this understanding that Jesus promised the Holy Spirit to come live in us and not just live in us, but that we would receive power. We like power, right? Power sounds fun, right? You know, I remember when uh, <laughs> I remember when uh, I had gotten like my first, like I don't know what what felt like my first real job in life. It wasn't my first real job. I'd had a whole lot of jobs before that, uh, but when I had gotten hired as a youth pastor and got this like what it was a real salary, you know, I was like, oh, we we're gonna be able to like think about buying a home and you know all these things and. Uh, uh, we didn't have kids or anything at the time, of course. You know, when you don't have kids and you get your first job and you're thinking like, I mean, you're just like, you're like a kid in a stinking candy store, right? And so I remember, like, I just remember thinking, man, I need to, I need a drill. I need to go buy a drill. And I, and so I went to the Home Depot, okay, and I'm, I'm looking at the drills and I find this drill and it's, and it's a, it's a DeWalt hammer drill. And I was like, Okay, and I had I'd spent my time in a machine shop, so I had some under I had a lot of understanding of some of these things, you know. But I, so I'm immediately like going like, what has the more the most horsepower of any drill in this room, right? And so like I'm I'm looking and and so I find this one drill and I'm like, oh man, and this thing was like you know a stupid amount of money at that time or whatever. It's like it doesn't matter. I got all the money in the world, right? You know. And so uh, I buy I buy this drill, you know. We're you know we're at the house like hanging picture frames with it and stuff, you know. I'm like drilling screws through the wall, you know, trying to figure out the settings and everything, you know. Uh, you know, we we love we love power, right? We love the thought of power. I think that we miss that Jesus promised and has given us power. His power to overcome things. Now, the way our minds work is we're like, oh yeah, Jesus is going to help me overcome like anything I want to in life. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus gave us power 
to overcome certain things. We're going we're gonna to get to that in just a minute. But if, if you look at this, it says, you know, you, however, not, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. You, the believer, you are not in the flesh, but you are in the Spirit. That's that same Spirit that Jesus left for us, that promise of the Holy Spirit that would give us power. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. So there's that belonging speak, right? So you can take that on the negative and say, you know, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if you have the Spirit of Christ, that means you do belong to him. Like literally belong to him. And you're like, Chris, well, how does, how does that work? Well, we literally been bought with a price. We belong to Jesus. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says this. It says, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Let me read that last part again. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. We were bought with a price. We were bought with a price. Isn't that amazing? I got that drill that came in a case. I still have the case. The drill is no longer. At some point, it like caught fire while we were using it in the shop, I'm pretty sure. And one of my guys was like, I think I can fix it. I was like, okay, go ahead. He didn't fix it. When I got that drill, it went from belonging to Home Depot to Chris. I became its owner. I became its master, although I'm not sure I ever mastered it, okay? But the understanding is that it was mine, still mine in pieces. The case is definitely mine. Jesus bought us with a price. What did it say? You are not your own. What? What? I thought we have freedom in Christ. We absolutely do. We absolutely do have freedom in Christ. And at the same time, he bought us that we could have that freedom in him. Okay? He bought us, and therefore, we have the Spirit of God in us. Now, let's go back to verse 9. I don't want to jump off of it yet. I want to read it again. It says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Now, if you look at that, he changes, he switches gears right there. He start, you know, he's starting out, you know, you're in the flesh, but in the, not in the flesh, but in the spirit. So he's saying, you know, you're, you know, you're not lost, you're found because you've been bought with a price. You are in the Holy Spirit, right? And if, in fact, the Spirit of God, we're still right there talking about the Holy Spirit, Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of 
Christ does not belong to him. So what's Paul saying here? He's helping us to understand and make sure that we tie in the work of Jesus as the part of the equation that he so deserves, which he's the one that went to the cross, right? So what, what we've got here is we've got a picture of the Trinity, okay? People say, oh, well, the Bible doesn't speak specifically of the Trinity. No, but it teaches about the Trinity nonstop. If you look all through Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, both. And I love the Trinity, by the way. Uh, but what you've got here is you've got this picture of the Trinity. You've got God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, who are all one, right? And this is hard for us to understand because we want to so, you know, quickly, you know, make, you know, sense out of everything. And the truth is, is that God is three persons, but one God, and they work together and they have different pieces of the puzzle that they're a part of here. And so anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. In other words, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ has not been bought by him, maybe yet. Maybe they haven't believed yet, haven't received Jesus as their Savior. Maybe they're going to. Maybe they're just not there yet. But either way, we have this picture of the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus promised the Spirit, right? But also, the fact that the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him and does not have the Holy Spirit. And in essence, He's saying this, you know, it's really the same but different parts of the puzzle that are both in you. Remember the N word, right? We've got the N word. We've got the N word four times in this one verse. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in, not sure if that one counts, fact, just being honest, of course it counts, but you know what I mean. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Folks, we want to belong to him. I want to belong to to Jesus. And I do belong to Jesus. And a question for you today is, do you belong to Jesus? And I hope, I hope you do belong to Jesus. But I think for us, even as believers, you may go, Chris, I, you know, this is all elementary stuff. I know, you know, it's, okay, great, good. Are you, are you as a believer working out of the toolbox daily of a person who belongs to our Savior? Does your life look like that? I want to come hang out with you. If it does, you would be a great disciple maker if you do. The truth is, is we all struggle with this, and that's why it is so important for us to preach the gospel to ourselves over and over again, that we don't ever get to this like, oh, I've already heard it, like, yeah, don't do that. Don't get there. We need this. We need, we need the Lord to challenge us with his word to remind us who we are in Jesus, in the spirit, right? And Paul goes back and forth here between the spirit of God and the spirit of Christ, showing that they are both involved and of the same status, bringing about this picture of the Trinity working together for his glory and our good. 
Isn't that amazing? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your own body. Galatians 5.24 says this. That was our 1 Corinthians 6 passage, by the way. Galatians 5.24 says this. It says, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Hmm. Read that again. Those who, crucify, uh, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. There's that flesh again, right? Different book even. Same lingo. He's saying, you're, you're dead to that. That doesn't own you. Do you have, let me ask you a question. You don't have to answer this out loud. You probably don't want to answer this out loud, okay? Do you have a sin that's following you around in life? You have this sin that kind of is like, you know, looking back, it's like, oh, it's still there. Okay, all right. Like, I'm going to get through this day. I'm not going to think about that. I'm not going to act on that. I'm not going to, I'm going to, I'm not going to feed it. It's going to die, right? You know, and go away, right? We are sinful people by our nature. We are guilty of believing that those sins have control over us. But the truth is, is that that verse that we just read says otherwise. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. What did Jesus say? I'm going to leave with you the Spirit, right? You remember that? In verse 8 of Acts 1, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Part of that, I, I truly believe, is to fulfill the mission in which Christ is giving us there, which he goes on to say, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth, right? So to go and tell all the people about me and to glorify me, to glorify the Lord, to make my name known, right? But that power is also that we can overcome sin. Now, I know we talk about this a lot. But I really want us to take to heart today this understanding that our sin, if we belong to Christ, belong to Christ, then he bought us. We're no longer at the store. We are his. We are no longer slaves to sin. He is our master. Not our sin, okay? Our sin was our master. The flesh was our master before we knew Jesus. But in Christ, we've been made free. We've been made new. He's freed us from our sin. What did it say? Well, you know, you are not your own. You're bought with a price to so glorify God with your body. Then Galatians 5.24, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. How? Because we belong to Jesus, 
and he died on the cross, and he bought us with a price, and we are no longer slaves to that old life. We're now technically slaves to him. But we're slaves to somebody who gave us his life and loves us and cares for us and wants the best for us and created us. He created us. He knows us better than we know ourselves, and he loves us more than anybody could ever love us. So I think that's a pretty good deal because I know we don't like the word slave, but I think that we understand the word master, and Jesus is our master because he bought us with a price if, if you have received Christ as your Savior. I say all that to say this. Don't let the devil talk you into believing that your sin owns you in any way, shape, or form. It absolutely does not. You are free from it. You are free from it, and the gospel is teaching us to go and be free from it. Right? And how amazing is that for us? Let's go to verse 10. There's two more verses here. Verse 10. It says, but if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. Read this, read it again. But if Christ is in you, there's the N word again, in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. The spirit is life because of righteousness. So, okay. If Christ is in you, the spirit of life, the spirit is life because of righteousness. So this understanding of the spirit is life, part of this piece and there's a, there's, this is a dance, I'll just be honest with you. And there's a whole lot of commentators arguing about, you know, how they technically see the Spirit here and what's, what's the Spirit. Is, it, is this the Holy Spirit? Is this the person's Spirit? You know, all, all these different things. Uh, at the end of the day, it's taking us to the same place. So however you want to get there is up to you. Um, but I really believe that it's talking about the Spirit of Christ here, okay? This, the Holy Spirit still working. And the reason is because of the way it's worded here. The Spirit is life, okay? Now, and the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Now, some are arguing that the Spirit of life, that this Spirit that is in us, that gives us life, is, that is, that's because of righteousness, is our spirit has been made, quote-unquote, alive or you know, given life or however you want to say that. I, I don't think it's supposed to be, and I'm fairly certain from reading a lot uh, that it's not that it's our spirit being made alive, but that we've been given life, okay? Now, the spirit there that it's talking about could either be the human spirit or it could be the Holy Spirit, right? The spirit of Christ. Uh, you know, either way... The understanding is this, we've been given life and righteousness because of the Spirit of God, okay? Not on our own. We didn't do any of this on our own, so even if you want to go that way with it, that's fine. Uh, I take it to mean that what we see here is that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is life 
and has given us righteousness, okay? Because of righteousness. And, and, and it's helping to describe the Holy Spirit, that he is righteous, okay? And that's the because of righteousness. So I see spirit as life is due to the righteousness from Christ as he brings us life. Now, there's another part of this verse that's like thrown in the middle of that. Do you see that? It says, although, although the body is dead because of sin. And if you're not careful, you'd go, what? I thought we just talked about how, you know, we've been given life and we have victory over sin, right? So what's this like body is dead? What? What's going on here? Because this is still talking about if, you know, Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, you know, the spirit is life because of righteousness. No, it's talking about our sinful bodies, which will still die right? Our sinful bodies are still going to die. Our earthly bodies are still going to die, but not our souls, right? Our souls have been redeemed, but our physical sinful bodies have not yet been redeemed. We'll get to that. We, not our bodies, have life given to us and in us through the purchase which Jesus made on the cross. Just to be real clear, just in case someone is new, new to hearing about the faith or someone, I want to make sure that you're tracking here too. The understanding that we have from Scripture is that we are all sinners and that our sin has a punishment and according to Scripture, that punishment is death. And Jesus, the Son of God, the only person who was God that lived on the earth and lived a perfect life, gave his life. He was the only person who could have ever done this. The perfect sacrificial lamb. He gave his life and died in our place that through his grace that we might be given life, okay? So he took our place. That's, that's the whole deal here. And that's what all of this is based on that we're talking about. So to understand that and then to get this piece of just understanding here of what he's talking about, is talking about that our bodies are still going to die. I went to a funeral yesterday of some very close friends, some folks in our church, their mother, grandmother, uh, who meant the world to my family too. We've been on vacation with them and spent all kinds of time with them, could tell you stories for days, just, just amazing people and uh, an amazing lady. And, uh, um, you know, uh, honestly, probably one of the most memorable funerals I have ever been to. I mean, just God glorifying uh, on a farm. The whole thing was on the farm. And I, and I, loved, I loved that. I just, it was so cool uh, to get to be, just to get to witness that, be a part of that, celebrate her life and remember her with them. Um, you know, funerals still happen, right? We know that. Our bodies, our earthly bodies, gonna die. But our spirit, and the, more importantly, the Holy Spirit living in us is life, okay? I equate this to a rat rod. Some of you have not a clue what a rat rod is. I'm going to explain it to you, okay? Because this is important theological stuff. 
in the hot rod world, which is one of my special places to go, okay? In the hot rod world, uh, many years ago came along this kind of movement of, of guys building cars. And some of them are amazing cars, and some of them are just absolute junk, just to be honest with you, okay? But some of them, it's like some of the most amazing cars, uh, the ingenuity and whatnot that, that goes behind some of them. But basically, imagine like a rust bucket old car that looks like it might fall apart while it's going down the road. But it's actually been built to look that way, or maybe it is kind of half that way, but it has this fresh, amazing drivetrain motor with tons of horsepower, you know, but it's made to look like what a lot of people would say, well, that's junk, you know, it's all rusty and all that kind of stuff. That, that was kind of the beginning of the rat rod movement. We've seen the rat rod movement kind of move. I'm not going to talk about the history of the rat rod movement right now, but as for time's sake, you know, but, you know, it's more recently manifested itself into like unrestored muscle cars that have new motors or refreshed motors and that kind of thing. I mean, I love that stuff too. I think it's, I think it's great. You know, if you see me and one out here doing donuts in the parking lot one day, don't be surprised, okay? I'm just saying, I got stuff to build and I can't really afford it, so maybe I can get some of it to run. I can at least come up here and do some donuts, okay? Um, we, our old selves, rusty on the outside, <laughs> not, we don't have it together, we don't look like we got it together, but the truth is, is that if we are in Christ, he has it together. And he in us, the Holy Spirit in us, is life. And that life, and the purchase that Jesus made on our behalf to make us his gives us the ability by his power to say no to sin, right? Because he has made our spirit, our minds, our soul alive in him. And although our earthly bodies will die, verse 11 actually tells us more. I knew you were wondering if we were going to get to verse 11. Verse 11 is here. It says this, it says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. And you're like, what? What? I thought we just talked about our bodies are going to die. They are. They are, but there's more. The spirit who raised Jesus, you see what he's saying there? In the spirit of him who raised Jesus, the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. And he says, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. What is he talking about? He is saying, very simply, Jesus will give life to our mortal bodies. Okay, what's that mean? We will be raised and our bodies renewed just as our souls have been. We will be given new bodies one day. Scripture says when Christ returns, he will come. We, he will come and we will be raised. We will be made new. 
these old, rusty, falling apart, got screws in your hips. Peter Beauchene had back surgery on Friday. I've been getting all kinds of like crazy phone calls while he's on drugs and stuff, talking to me. Love Peter. He's going to make us new. He chose to do this. He chose to do this for us, for him, for his glory. So the, the bottom line here today is this. You're either in the flesh or you're in Christ, in the spirit. Which are you in? Right? Where do you belong? Maybe you know without a doubt that you are saved. Maybe you are unsure if you are saved. You don't have to be. I'd love to talk to you about that if you have any questions. I'd love to pray with you. I'm not interested in trying to like pressure you. Maybe you know for a fact you're not saved, right? Maybe you think that you are saved, but maybe you're not. Whoa, wait, what? Uh, I mean, let's just, I want to cover all the bases while we're talking about it, right? Uh, maybe you don't really believe the gospel in your heart. Maybe you've done a whole bunch of like going through the church motion type stuff. Folks, this is a heart issue. This isn't a like what you can accomplish issue. Maybe, maybe you're hanging your hat on the fact that you thought this was about doing good things. And you'd do enough good things that God would like you. We can't do enough good things for God to like us. This is, this is 100% Jesus or not Jesus. 1 Corinthians says this in, ver in chapter 7, verse 22. He says, For he who, has who was called in the Lord as a bondservant, as a servant, is a freedman of the Lord. Likewise, he who was free when called is a servant of Christ. You were bought with a price. Do not become a servant of men. We were bought with a price. Don't be a slave to sin. Let Christ be your master. He gave his life for you. And in him you can belong to him. Belong to a family, to the family of God. Heirs to a promise with unconditional love. And so the question I have for us today, for those of us that are believers, are we living a life that glorifies the Lord, that is actively acting like we're free from sin and following Jesus? I hope so. And for that person here today that's never received Christ as your Savior, don't belong to sin. Don't belong to that life. Belong to Jesus. Let's pray. God, thank you for the reminder of your word and the working of our lives that we belong to you. God, I pray for anyone that doesn't today belong to you. God, I pray that today that they would cry out to you and say, God, save me today. I believe in Jesus. I trust in you today. I trust in your word. I trust in the cross and an empty tomb that it has given victory not only over my sin, 
but my whole flesh to make me new and to make me yours, Lord, I want to belong to you. God, for those of us as believers, God, I pray that today that you would help us to see our need to trust in you for everything. God, may we not waver on that. God, help us to trust in you for all things. Lord, as we come to you this morning, God, just be glorified in us. We ask this today in your son's name. Amen. If you would like to talk to someone about what it means to know Jesus as your Savior, I'll be in the foyer. I would love to talk and pray with you about what that means, what that looks like in your life. And, uh, yeah, come see me.